Let's do this. It's a very short week, a quick turnaround here on the Chief Zone Podcast. I am Farzim Vesugian, Zach Stegna also here with me. A lot to talk about here on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Benjamin Albright from KOA Colorado will be joining us, coming back to the podcast, in fact. Uh, very excited to have him on, one of the best guys in the NFL to talk football with. Benjamin will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. And we will break down the game between the Chiefs and the Broncos. What is our prediction going to be for that game? And, oh boy, uh, there is a meltdown that's carrying over into Monday on social media. We'll talk about all of that. Plus, I have an issue with one player in the NFL. I'll explain why. And one story that is not going away. All of that here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Zach Segna, as I said, he is here with me on this Great episode of the Chiefs Zone podcast, uh, Zach. It's uh, it's it's going to be an interesting week, a very quick week. But man, um, I'm I'm still seeing meltdowns on social media. Uh, what are you seeing? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I shouldn't be as entertained as I am by watching these meltdowns. But uh, I'm not gonna lie, they're they're kind of entertaining at this point, just because I mean. You know, you kind of laugh to keep from crying in some cases, and then in other cases, it's just like, I genuinely don't understand how people come to their conclusions, but that's a separate discussion. And yeah, no, still upset by, uh, you know, how the game went on Sunday, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to uh, the opportunity to redeem ourselves on Thursday. At least I'm hoping that they choose to redeem themselves. Yeah, I, man, it, it is very hard. It, it, like I said on Sunday's podcast, it's not the fact that the Chiefs are losing, it's the way it's happening, like, there are some really bad things happening on the field on both sides of the football uh, even in the passing game Zach, I just want to go over this one more time before we bring in Benjamin Albright if the Chiefs I asked you this on Sunday, I said, what is the what is their best strength outside of passing the football, you you were stumped and that, that was meant to be a trick question and I've had this conversation with people on social media and Last week, after the Colts game, I said, look, the Chiefs are a Patrick Mahomes injury away from being a bad football, a really bad football team. And people said, oh, you're overreacting for one loss. I'm now seeing everyone else say the same thing. People are now saying the same thing. Like, if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, my God, what do you have right now on this football team? You essentially just need to pray at this point. Now, it's not the end all be all. What do you have without Patrick Mahomes? You have a top 10 draft choice. That's what you have. Well, you never know. I mean, look, the Colts, uh, a lot of people thought that they'd be fighting for a number one overall pick. They've actually been doing not so bad uh, with Jacoby Brissett. We uh, noticed that on Sunday Night Football recently for at Arrowhead, uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, just, just just this whole thing. Of, and that's why I was saying, look, get offensive linemen. Protect them. That's how we got Stefan Wisniewski. We'll see if he plays later this week. Uh, before we uh, bring in Benjamin, and before we get to our game breakdown, I'm going to tell you right now, Zach, I honestly have no idea what my prediction is going to be for this football game. I truly do not know what I'm going to predict yet. My prediction is still up in the air. I'll break down the game. I'll hear your thoughts and see if maybe you can convince me to go one way or another. I'm still, my prediction is kind of still up for grabs right now. Yeah, I'd love to say that mine is... uh up for grabs but i i think i've got i've got my lean at this point and i don't know we'll see how it goes uh you know as we continue to you know dive into the breakdown but you know be interesting to hear uh you know benjamin albright's thoughts as well 
Last thing before we get uh, into Benjamin. Uh, I'm curious. I, I think it's a little obvious, but what are you expecting with their home crowd? Because even though they started 0-4, man, I've got to think ticket prices have maybe gone up and probably found a way to sell out this game on Thursday. Oh, without a doubt. It's going to be an electric atmosphere with, without a shred of doubt. I mean, you look at the fact that Mahomes has uh, you know, gone undefeated against the Broncos so far. Uh, then you have the fact that all of a sudden we're looking particularly beatable and they're coming off of a two-game winning streak. Um, and let's be honest, this is probably a game that would have sold out anyway unless the Broncos were you know, coming in 0-6, at which point you know, maybe there'd be less excitement for it. But even then, you know, it's like when Arrowhead in some of the down years were still selling out for the Broncos or Raiders games especially. Like Rivalry games matter, at least in our division. Uh, and this is the sort of game that I have a funny feeling that Broncos fans are going to be in rare form, and it's going to be absolutely electric. All right, let's get right into it. It's a short week, so we've got a lot to get into in just a couple of days. Very, very excited for this guest. Joining us right now on the phone line, he is one of the best guys in the NFL media. Uh, I know he covers the Broncos. A lot of you guys are Chiefs fans, but definitely need to follow him. If you guys want to follow good NFL reporters out there, this guy's one of them. He's Benjamin Albright, part of KOAC Colorado, uh, radio host there, also part of the Broncos flagship station, part of their game day broadcast. Does a lot for the Colorado sports and covering the Denver Broncos, and he's very generous to give us a few minutes of his time. He was on here a couple times last year and excited to bring him back on, Benjamin Albright. Benjamin, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, good, man. Uh, what is it like for you covering the team on such a short week? I, I mean, are, are all your responsibilities crunched up? I, I mean, how do you handle a short week like this from a media perspective? Oh, you just got to kind of do what you got to do. You're exactly right that everything gets kind of crunched up. Uh, you don't have those extra prep days, but, you know, they do the players and they're putting their bodies on the line. So, you know, for me, I can't really complain that all I have to do is talk. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – it, Part of it's challenging and fun, and that it's hectic. You get two games right back to back, you know, and so there's not like there's not filler days, you know, in terms of trying to fill with content. You know, you just react to the one game, and you're already previewing the next game, and then you're, um, you know, and then you're ready to go. To be honest with you, uh, it's more difficult for me to do the week after a Thursday night game, where you have that Friday, then you turn around, you have all the next week with nothing that happened, and uh, trying to get prepped for the next game. So, you know, for me, it's this guy gets kind of the opposite of a player in terms of what's difficult, what isn't. No, I certainly can understand. Having worked in sports radio before here in Kansas City, uh, Wednesdays were always the worst day because uh, Tuesdays, you know, they don't teams don't gen- generally practice unless it's a short week like this week for the Chiefs and Broncos. Uh, so you don't have a lot of content uh, football-wise to share on a Wednesday. So I can certainly understand where you're coming from. Real quickly, before we get into this game between the Chiefs and Broncos, uh, you have a very interesting background. And like I said, you're one of the more respected media guys in the NFL today. You're also... Uh, a veteran as well, and I apologize, I don't know exactly what branch uh, of the military you were in. Can you just talk about your background and, you know, your your military background, and how did you make that transition to broadcasting? Um, Sure, I I was in the military for uh, for 15 years, um, you know, active in reserve, uh, several deployments. Um, You know, I I, kind of fell backwards into it, knew a friend of a friend, um, and, you know, he was... Uh, working with a, a team, you know, working with a team down in Tampa that got my foot in the door, uh, and I got my foot in that way, and then I kind of fell into media after that. Um, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I kind of, I 
got really lucky. Um, you know, people ask for advice on how to break into the industry and things like that. I feel really bad because I'm like, man, you know, to be honest with you, I wish I could give you this, this cool story about, you know, how I worked hard and everything else. But um, honestly, it was networking. You know, I, it was it was people I met, and um, I, I kind of sort of fell backwards into this. And, you know, I, I very much enjoyed doing it, uh, and I hope that, you know, what I do provides something for the people that, you know, that hear it or, or see it. But, um, you know, as far as uh, <laughs> as far as the traditional path to doing this, I, I'm about the, the, the least likely candidate. Well, hey, I, I mean, I, I, I disagree respectfully. I still think, you know, you're always – able to weigh in and, and give some advice. I remember when I was at KU, uh, you were very kind enough to send me your um, email address, and I never took you up on it, but you said you'd be willing to critique my radio hosting and play-by-play, and the fact that you do do that, because a lot of people in this industry don't, unfortunately, but uh, very few people like you do that, and I think that's very gracious of you, uh, as well as anyone else that's always willing to uh, share advice when asked. So, uh, you, like I said, you're one of the great guys. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Albright, NFL, Albright spelled A-L-L-B-R-I-G-H-T. Ben, uh, this has been kind of a weird season when you compare the Chiefs and Broncos. It's been the exact opposite. One team started 4-0, the other 0-4. And you look at the last two weeks, the Chiefs have lost two in a row and the Broncos have won two in a row. I've got to think, man, the mindset right now in Denver, it's its pretty high right now. You're getting the Chiefs coming in. The Broncos have never beat Patrick Mahomes. He's 3-0 and all time. So I, I think it's fair to say Mile High is going to be a raucous environment this Thursday because everyone wants to see this Broncos team hand them not just a third straight loss, but finally get a win over Patrick Mahomes. Oh, that's exactly it. I mean, that's not just Mahomes. The Andy Reid era has been brutal for, for Broncos fans. Um, and they'd like to get that monkey off their back. You know, I think that they view this game as, as somewhat winnable. Uh, they feel like they've got some momentum, some trajectory. They felt like uh, early in the season that they just weren't catching the breaks. You know, they were a team that uh, was still trying to learn the new defensive philosophy, still trying to learn their, their new offensive coordinator, their new quarterback, those kinds of things. Um, and they're, they're, they're a better team than people give them credit for. I, I don't think they're in any danger of accidentally winning a Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, this team can flirt with the playoffs. They, they should be 4-2 and two right now. I mean, you talk about an offense that, uh, that scored game-winning, potential game-winning touchdowns inside of two minutes uh, in two home games against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Chicago Bears and lost both games, um, you know, with a minute and a half and with 30 seconds left. So, you know, it, it just some fluky things to start and get used to some things, and they feel, really feel like they're firing on all cylinders over the last two games against the uh, against the Chargers and the Titans, where they've allowed at least six total points, no touchdowns, and nine straight scoreless quarters. So uh, they're you know they're they're pretty excited about that, um, and they feel like this is a game. This might be the one. You know, catching Kansas City when they're a little banged up and on a short week, and, and while they've got momentum, and Kansas City might be reeling a little bit for some losses they didn't expect. So. Um, that's that's kind of the attitude around here. So recognizing that the Broncos you know, did kind of struggle out of the gate, even though I mean they could have very easily started two and two as opposed to the zero and four. Uh, you know, what have you seen that's been the biggest difference that's uh, enabled the team to you know have this two game winning streak going? And do you think it's sustainable moving forward? I think so. Um, the offense has started finding its timing, and that's been a good thing. And then defensively, they've made some uh, some roster moves. Um, they were struggling to stop the run, so they took Shelby Harris out of the nose position, kind of moved him to the uh, over there to the um, the three tech that Adam Gottschus was playing. Uh, they put Mike Purcell in at the nose, uh, and then they added uh, they put Alexander Johnson, AJ Johnson back there, and inside linebacker with Todd Davis, and he has been an absolute revelation. 
for a position that has been snake bitten for them for, for quite some time. Josie Jules, a run funnel guy, uh, stinks in, in pass coverage. Todd Davis, a downhill guy, kind of stinks in pass coverage. And then Corey Nelson and Joe Jones are special team guys. Uh, and just simply weren't able to, you know, we're, we're, we're getting washed in the run game. So, uh, defensively, the personnel changes and offensively, kind of finding the timing and finding their rhythm. And, you know, like I said, I, I think that, uh, if, if this team were playing the way that they're playing right now, uh, three or four games ago, you know, this could be a nine win, 10 win type team. I think ultimately you're talking about a seven or eight win kind of, kind of season with this. I know that's kind of a stretch. They got to win a lot of games to do that and not, not lose very many, but, uh, there's, there's talent here and Joe Flacco has been playing, um, you know, better than, I guess, kind of the national narrative about him. I mean, if you look at the, <laughs> if you look at a lot of the metrics, he is, uh, smack in the middle of everything. I mean, like, is Joe Flacco mediocre? Should be It would be a hilarious meme if you go and look at exactly where he fits in in a lot of these statistics. I mean, though, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, with your defense, I mean, do you really need him to be anything more than mediocre? No, and that's really the thing. Mediocre is a flying leap forward from the smorgasbord of suck that they've had in Trevor Simeon, Chad <laughs> Kelly, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, and the ghost of Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl run, so... Yeah, and I guess you know, as as you put it, that smorgasbord of suck. Um, you know, obviously Flacco's been doing fine, but you know, it certainly appears that Drew Luck or Drew Locke would be the uh, you know kind of quarterback in waiting there. I guess I'm curious if he doesn't turn out. Do you think the fan base really does run Elway out of that front office? I don't think so. I think Elway will finish out his contract either way. Um, and, and when the when Brittany Bowen finally takes over the team, I think he'll retire and try to become a part of ownership at that point. Um, Drew may or may not pan out. I, I think he's going to. He showed some serious flashes in the preseason uh, and in practice. Looked like a guy who, who has a bright future ahead of him. Uh, just need a little bit of time, and then he got hurt. Um, you know, they're debating bringing him as one of the two guys they bring back off the IR. So um, that's that's interesting, especially when you've got a, a choice between potentially a Theo Riddick or a Tim Patrick that could actually help the team in terms of, you know, media productivity. So, um, you know, I think they want to get him some starts this season if they, if they get eliminated from playoff contention and, uh, and they want to, um, you know, kind of see what, if he can showcase anything and, and if he's the guy. And I, I think he is, I think they think he is, but you know, they want to be sure. And if not, obviously then you get the draft and, uh, and, and they would be pursuing a quarterback there, probably Justin Herbert, if they could get up high enough to get him. Benjamin Albright joining us here on the Chief Zone podcast. Follow him at Albright NFL uh, with KOA Colorado. Uh, a couple of questions with you, Ben, before we let you go. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, obviously, this is Vic Fangio's first season uh, as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, what are your thoughts on him one third into the season uh, in 2019? Well, I mean, I think he's been great. Um, as a media member, he's a breath of fresh air because he like he means what he says. He says what he means, and he doesn't just give you like pablum quotes. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of been notorious over the years for just by, just skipping press conferences because I find them utterly worthless uh, in terms of getting any real information. But um, with Vic, you kind of have to go because he he says things, you know, and, and he'll answer your questions. He'll give you a real, honest answer. Um, so in, in the, from that perspective, I, I think he's been great. Uh, some of the players grumbling a little bit. He's a departure from the previous head coach, who was a man with a lot more of a player's coach, uh, trying to be buddy-buddy with the players. Vic is not that guy. Uh, Vic has no problems trying to motivate through the media. And, you know, several times people have taken quotes that he's given about players, um, which were less than glowing. I mean, the guy, uh, he was asked about Von Miller when he was first hired. He, he said, well, you know, he's okay. 
Uh, you know, and Vaughn is, of course, one of the preeminent pass rushers of this era. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. He, the, the, um, after the Titans game, he was asked a question by Kobe Wadman, who was averaging, you know, 50 yards a punt. And uh, he deflected from that and said, well, you know, actually, I was really impressed by their punter. Um, you know, talking about Brett Hearn. And, and so, you know, there's, there's somewhat of a, you know, a narrative going around that he's, he's hard to, to squeeze praise from. And that can, for some of these guys, that can be a, an issue. Uh, you know, a lot of ego in the National Football League. But, uh, you know, he tries to motivate people like that. He tries to, you know, not to give them too much, too much praise on him and motivate them that way. That's kind of his style. Uh, I think philosophically on defense, it's a bit of a departure. Uh, we're used to Wade Phillips and Vance Joseph, which is basically the same defense, um, you know, where they, they put their corners uh, out there on an island, send everybody, at, you know, send the house after the quarterback, and you know, maybe play one high safety. Um, where with Vic, it's an umbrella zone. I mean, you're, you're seeing cover two, cover four all the time. Uh, there was a play yesterday against the Titans where uh, they put 10 men on the field, rushed two, both of them outside linebackers, and had no defensive linemen on the field, still nearly got a sack. So they're, they're starting to get confidence in this umbrella zone system, but it, it's a radical departure from what, uh, uh, from what Wade used to run. I know a lot of our listeners are Missouri Tigers fans. We talked a little bit about Drew Locke. A lot of them are also Kansas State fans, and the Broncos did draft Dalton Risner uh, in the second round out of Kansas State. Uh, I'm curious, what's your takeaway from, from him in his uh, early stages in the NFL? Well, Dalton came out and uh, joined us last Monday at Buffalo Wild Wings for a live uh, thing for our, our show. And I, I'm going to tell you, this is the, the, the um, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I have, I have never seen an athlete do this. Um, he had a one-hour appearance with us, and then when his appearance was over, you know, I, you know, free leave. And most of these guys bounce out. They grab their, their food, and they head on out. Dalton stayed around shook the hand of every single person in that restaurant that showed up to come see him and thanked him personally for coming out. He was there about 40 minutes after his scheduled appearance, making sure he personally thanked everybody in that restaurant. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. That guy gets it. He gets what it's like to be, uh, you know, to be the face of a franchise, that kind of thing. And his play on the field is, is, uh, has only buoyed that. I mean, he's been phenomenal. Uh, scouting buddy of mine told me before the, before the draft, he was a poor man's Quentin Nelson and, you know, watching him a couple of games ago, he texted me back. He's like, man, I, you may have to take the poor man's off that. Well, uh, for us, that's terrible news because Quentin Nelson, uh, dominated our defensive line recently, but no, that's awesome to hear a guy who we're f- familiar with, uh, being in big 12 country, uh, certainly happy for him. Hey, last question before we let you go, Ben, uh, the Denver Broncos will win if they do what? Run the ball effectively. Um, I think we saw the key. If you look at that Texans game, is you know you kind of got to kind of got a dink and dunk and soft zone. Kansas City, their pass defense is a lot better than people credit them for. But if you, you, there's some soft spots underneath, uh, and then run the ball inside zone. Uh, Carlos Hyde snapped, uh, I think, it was 30 straight games where he hadn't had a hundred yard rushing game against against that. And you know I've noticed that they've they've struggled to to set the edge and to, and to really do uh, to contain the run. So uh, they're really going to have to get that one two punch of Phil Lindsay and Royce Freeman going. Um, and if they're able to do that and kind of dink and dunk the way down the field, um, you know, then, then they stand a fighting chance. You're not going to outshoot Kansas City, so you're going to want to put together sustained drives, keep the ball out of their hands, and kind of copy that blueprint. Benjamin Albright, follow him on Twitter at AlbrightNFL. Hey, Ben, always great talking to you. I'm sure we'll reconnect the next time the Chiefs and Broncos play. But until then, take care. Enjoy the game on Thursday. We'll talk to you again. Absolutely, guys. Take care. All right. Take care, Ben. Bye. Thanks, Ben. Uh-huh. All right, that is Benjamin Albright. Off he goes. Uh, I mean, man, one of the best guys out there. Really is. Uh, 
If you haven't, again, I know he's mainly a Broncos guy, but he does talk a lot of NFL. And he's a fun guy to talk to on Twitter as well. Uh, even though he's a Colorado Broncos guy, uh, follow him. At Albright NFL. And as I've uh, said for many of our guests before, he is the yes. sort of follow that you will be a smarter fan for following. So Absolutely. would highly recommend it. I mean, he's the only Broncos beat writer that I follow. So, you know, if, there's, if that's an endorsement for you, there you go. All right, I know uh, we just spoke to Benjamin. Uh, I still have no idea what my prediction is yet. Uh, but, hey, why not? Let's get into it. Chiefs, Broncos, Thursday night football. It is a 7.20 Central Standard Time kickoff. Uh, I've got to admit, I don't have this ready on me. Do you know what channel the game is on? I mean, it's Thursday night football, so wouldn't it be on NFL Network? And It is going to be on NFL Network. I, I am seeing this Amazon? right now. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. That's interesting. I do have Amazon Prime, so I'm going to pull it up on my my smartphone just to see how that broadcast is. It's going to be on Amazon Prime, Fox, and NFL Network. So you'll have plenty of ways to catch this football game. Uh, okay, but as far as game time goes, 70 degree, oh, 720 Central Standard Time, to be clear. Uh, 70 degrees at kickoff, no rain, good weather. Uh, in uh, the middle of October in Colorado, referee for this Sean Smith, the la- not the uh, not the quarterback Sean Smith, not that Sean Smith, different Sean. In fact, it's spelled differently. Uh, the last time the Chiefs, uh, la- the last time he officiated a Chiefs game was the forty to thirty three victory over the Raiders on December the second last year. That was right after the Kareem Hunt aftermath. Just to give you an idea of when that all was. As far as gambling goes, the Chiefs are favored by four and a half points. And your announcers for this game, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. How excited are you for Joe Buck, Zach? Be honest. That excited. I'm I'm just, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I am completely ecstatic by the fact that Joe Joe Buck Buck is calling the game. Okay, can I ask you... Why do you not like Joe Buck? I mean, I just don't think he's that great at his job. I feel like he's gotten a lot of, you know, his... I think that, you know, if you slap a different name on him uh, and don't have Jack Buck as his father, part of me wonders if he gets as far as he's gotten. Um, You know, I I don't know. That's just maybe my... uh, Yeah, slightly biased opinion, admittedly. And to be totally transparent... I also, you know, just where where he really lost me was in the World Series in 2014 uh, when, you know, even in games like five and six where Bumgarner was nowhere near the field. I mean, like obviously he was in the dugout or in the bullpen, but he wasn't going to be playing in either one of those games. And yet he still made up the bulk of what Joe Buck would talk about. That got pretty old pretty fast. Uh, I so, can understand that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'd a lot be lying people... if I said that didn't color my opinion of him probably more than it should, but, well, <laughs> I stand behind my hot take there. Um, I Oh, no, I don't think it's a hot take. I think that is a very popular opinion. My Mine would be more of a hot take that I, I like Joe Buck. He's awesome. Here's my thing. Uh, when, he's, when Bumgarner was not playing, okay, I get that, but, um, you know, Bumgarner was having an amazing World Series. Oh no, uh, I don't begrudge the you know, the commentary of him. I begrudge the sheer volume of it. That's what I got tired of. I have nothing but respect for Bumgarner and what he did to the Royals. He absolutely smoked us, and there was nothing we could do about it. 
And so nothing but respect for the performance he put in. I just got sick of the sheer volume of times that it was brought up. Right after the Royals World Series, uh, a couple months later, was the Super Bowl Media Week. I don't know. I, I don't know if you listen to a lot of talk radio during that week when they're at Radio Row. Basically, every single sports station in existence is there, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of celebrities, like uh, big name athletes from other sports, WWE stars, UFC fighters, cele- actors. Uh, a lot of famous people. They're basically going around to each table doing media, doing uh, interviews for all these stations. Joe Buck was going table to table. And 610 Sports, this was back when Danny Parkins was hosting before he left Kansas uh, City. And it was like, it was right, oh, me too. Uh, especially with what they have now. Uh, it was right at 6 o'clock. And we let Danny Parkins stay on the air because he was going to interview Joe Buck. And as soon as Joe Buck put the headset on and started talking, the text line lit up like, oh, I'm changing the station. Turn him off. Turn him off. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Danny Parkins was asking, did you know about the hatred that you got because uh, you love Bumgarner? And he goes, well, that's funny. San Francisco Giants fans keep saying that I was rooting for you guys, uh, which is a weird, weird criticism. Like, let's say uh, you're a Broncos fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. No offense. I, we can we can reverse that, but it's fine. I I'll, guarantee- I'll, I'll wear it. Okay, so as a Broncos fan, you could easily say, "Well, I, Joe Buck is so st- totally rooting for the the Chiefs," and I could be saying, "No, Joe Buck is rooting for the Broncos." His Twitter bio used to say, "I'm rooting against your team" because he's making fun of that criticism. I I, I love that about That's Joe funny. Buck. That's funny. He has a sense of humor that. about it. Um, but last thing on this, and we'll move on. But Danny Parkins actually showed this meme of Madison Bumgarner. Uh, in the take, using the restroom, uh, and Joe Buck, it's like a cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, and Joe Buck is like getting close to the urinal next to him. Danny Parkins showed that, and Joe Buck started laughing. So that's yeah, awesome. he's got a sense of humor. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, they will be your announcers for this game. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I thought they would be announcing baseball playoffs. I'm not sure what the machinations are, but that's not. For me to uh, discuss uh, injury report for Kansas City. Uh, this was a walkthrough on Monday. Keep that in mind as you're listening to this on a Tuesday morning. Anthony Sherman was a false participant, as was Mahomes. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is on the injury report uh, with an ankle injury. Tyree Kill was a full participant, limited. D- uh, Dorian O'Daniel, Sammy Watkins was limited. Uh, Derek Nadi also limited with an elbow injury, and Cam Irving. Uh, limited with a groin injury. I will be honest, I had no idea Cam Irving had a groin injury. Uh, Anthony Hitchens was limited, and then those who did not practice, uh, Andrew Wiley with an ankle injury, Chris Jones, uh, and Eric Fisher both have groin injuries, a lot of groin injuries to go around. Uh, Groin or ankle, it seems like. And Kendall Fuller, we learned, got x-rays on his right hand. We don't know the extent of that yet. It's uh, They're calling it a thumb injury, to be specific. And that is the same hand He had uh, surgery on late last year. All right. uh, Real quick look at the Chiefs and Broncos rankings. I'll give the Chiefs first. And bear in mind, we are recording this before Monday Night Football. So the rankings may be up by one or two spots by the time this comes out. So be aware of that, please. But Chiefs, uh, right now, they're top five in points per game. Total offense, still number one in the NFL in passing. Still number one, but they're 24th in running the football, which a lot of Chiefs fans want to see more of. As far as the defense goes, the 19th in points per game, 28th in total defense, 19th against a pass, and 
Somehow they're not dead last against the run, but they're very close to it. 30th against the run, allowing almost 162 yards on the ground. And man, you would expect that to This is a league that has the Dolphins in it, so we're never going to be 32nd in things because the Dolphins. I I suppose. I don't Uh, know who 31 is, but I like to blame the Dolphins for most things. Ah, That's totally fine. Uh, Head coach of the Broncos, Vic Fangio. This is his first year. As the uh, as the head coach of the Broncos, first time ever he's a head coach, was a defensive coordinator for 20 of 24 seasons in the NFL and in college. Uh, Milford Academy, the Panthers, the Colts, Texans, Stanford, 49ers, Bears. Uh, his first year with uh, Denver, as I mentioned, uh, he has coached under the following guys, Zach, Jim Mora, Dom Capers, Brian Billick, both Harbaugh's, both of them in the NFL to be clear, John Fox and Matt Nagy, who we obviously are familiar with, former Chiefs offensive coordinator. Uh, Fangio, by the way, uh, spoke in Monday's press conference, said Mahomes is a lot like John Elway, which I thought was an interesting comparison to give for the Denver audience there. Uh, His offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello, who uh, this is his 10th different uh, stop in the NFL and college combined. Uh, He has coached at UC Davis. And Idaho on multiple occasions, multiple stints. He's also been with the Raiders, the Falcons, and the 49ers. He's only had four years of coaching experience in the NFL prior to this year. So first time as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And you look at the Broncos offense, 26 in points per game. Not very high. 25th in total offense. Very low. 23rd in passing. Also low. And almost right in the middle Rushing the football, 15th in the NFL, 116 yards a game. And when you compare that to Kansas City against the run, 162 yards. That bodes well. And let's get into the the running backs. I think that's a great place to start. Philip Lindsay, 13th in rushing yards with 397 yards. He's got four touchdowns, only has four catches on the year. And for reference, last year as a rookie, Lindsay ran for 69 yards in the first meeting between the Chiefs and Broncos in Week 4, the Monday Night Football comeback for Mahomes, and in Week 8, 18 carries for 95 yards and scored one touchdown in each matchup right there. And they've also got Royce Freeman, who's got 284 yards and a touchdown. Both running backs averaging more than 4 yards a carry. Freeman has 4.3 yards a carry, and Lindsay has 4.7 yards a carry, so... Uh, Lindsay almost got 100 yards in the second meeting last year, and it is an easy bet to make to say Philip Lindsay will have a field day, as Benjamin Albright mentioned earlier on the podcast. Yeah, I'll be honest, the only silver lining for me on this is that I do start Philip Lindsay on my fantasy team. That's it. I will absolutely be doing that this week, uh, though I really do hope he doesn't absolutely torch us the way that Carlos Hyde did or the way that Marlon Mack did before that. Would really like to see some progress this week. Yeah, and look, I don't doubt Joe Flacco will have open receivers down the field, and we'll talk about Emmanuel Sanders as his status is up in the air for Thursday night. But uh, you know, I I, I I know you agreed with Benjamin that you know the pass defense doesn't get as much credit. Whereas I disagree. Uh, I just don't think it's very good. But uh, maybe Joe Flacco will be tempted to go deep because he hasn't had a lot of touchdowns this year: six touchdowns and five picks this season. Uh, throwing for 1,434 yards, but uh, man, do what the Colts did. They did not go for the deep pass, ever. They just let those short yardage dink and dunks, basically an Alex Smith-style offense, beat Kansas City's defense. And look, people still have not figured out how to stop Mahomes. I know he did not throw for any touchdowns in the Colts game, but still had 300 yards in that game, but 
at the end of the day, the best way to beat Mahomes is to beat the defense and win time of possession because you keep Mahomes on the sidelines. And if you can get a little bit lucky and hope for a three and out, and in the case against the Texans, you he threw that pass seven yards behind the line of scrimmage and the run call on second down and the the pass rush that was allowed, I mean, that oh made it easy for a three and out right there. Uh, seems like a very easy blueprint laid out for the Denver Broncos right now. Yeah, and it, I'm not going to lie, as a Chiefs fan, it certainly makes me nervous, uh, just given that really it seems like their strengths certainly uh, overlap a little too neatly with our weaknesses, especially when you look at the rushing attack of you know, Lindsey and Freeman, um, you know, specifically watching the way that they, they, they have a tremendous knack for being able to run the ball inside, uh, and that's obviously where the Chiefs have struggled mightily. Uh, and on short rest, I mean, I I do struggle to think that um, you know the Chiefs are going to be able to be that much better against the run. I mean, now that said, I've said on many occasions before, a lot of run defense is you know discipline and want to or effort, um, and hopefully we'll be able to at least have some of that going on. Um, would really like to see the defensive line toughen up uh, and be able to. You know, force some stops and make the Broncos really consider whether uh, you know it makes sense to just absolutely try to run the ball down our throats all night. Yeah, it's 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 very concerning. Um, I've I've said on social media I don't know what you can do before the trade deadline to to help this defense. I don't think you can. Uh, but who knows? Uh, let's see if Brett Beach does anything. But I will say this uh, for Freeman and Lindsey. One combined fumble in their very young careers. Uh, they both came into the NFL last year. Freeman was a third-round pick, whereas Lindsey went undrafted. And boy, did they get lucky with that. Lindsey got 1,000 yards last year. Freeman got 521. They both averaged four yards a carry or above. So uh, two really good running backs who the Chiefs have got to be ready for on a short week. The rest of the offense, not the most exciting offense to discuss here. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, as I said, questionable with a knee injury, 25 catches for 307 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Cortland Sutton is the guy they've got to be ready for. He's got 30 catches for 477 yards and three touchdown catches. Leads the Broncos in all three of those categories. Pro Football Focus has those two guys ranked in the top 11. Sutton is 6th, Sanders is 11, and tight end Noah Fant who they drafted this year in the first round out of Iowa. So I know there are some Iowa fans listening to this as well. We got a lot of Iowa fans in the KC area. Uh, 14 catches for 152 yards and a touchdown. Great speed uh, for a tight end like Noah Fant. Um, this is not the most exuberant group of pass catchers, but because behind them, uh, their next two biggest pass catchers are Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Uh, not a lot to really look forward to, but... If, especially if Sanders is ready to go, man, uh, Joe Flacco might have what he needs, uh, both on on the ground and through the air, to beat this Chiefs defense. I mean, it certainly, uh, you know, it, it all starts and ends with the running game because if the running game can set up play action, that's all the uh, that, that's all they'll really need to have the offense moving along fairly well. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong; none of those receivers totally scare me. Uh, I mean, they all can present mismatches if we're not careful. I mean, especially Fant with just his size and speed. Um, like he's, you know, he, he's a rookie, so he's have he's having some, you know, trouble adjusting a little bit. You know, I would have expected him to do a little bit better than he's done so far. 
But uh, by the same token, he's got all the physical tools to be an absolute monster at the tight end position, specifically as a pass catcher, uh, again, with his speed and athleticism. Uh, so he's definitely someone we can't sleep on, uh, certainly in the secondary there. Look to see Tyron Matthew uh, you know, lock him down every once in a while. But uh, you know, as a group, though, they shouldn't scare you too much. The only question is, are we able to stop the run? And you know, be able to be effective there to keep the play action pass from absolutely killing us. Yeah, that's the million dollar question. Now it seems like every week with this Chiefs defense. And speaking of the run, expect him to run to the left a lot in this football game. Uh, you look at the right guard Ron Leary and the right tackle Elijah Win- Wil- Wilkinson. Pardon me; those are two below average offensive linemen. Although. Let's not put it out of the realm of possibilities. Maybe they can have it their way against Kansas City's defensive line. Uh, the left side of Denver's offensive line, Dalton Riz- uh, Risner, as we spoke, uh, uh, the rookie from Kansas State, and Garrett Bold's the left tackle. Uh, those are the top two uh, ra- uh, offensive linemen on this football team. Uh, Risner, by the way, uh, he is rated uh, the uh, one. He's rated the best offensive lineman on the team by Pro Football Focus, and I think he's 14th, the 14th best guard in the NFL right now. So one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL today, and probably the best rookie offensive lineman as well, uh, just doing a tremendous job right now. And like I said, uh, expect a lot of runs to the left side. And that, that is where Frank Clark is, uh, you know, on Kansas City's right side. So, uh, and he has not been very good this year. He has had a couple of tackles for a loss, but more times than not, uh, he's been really bad this year for the Chiefs. Uh is there anything else you want to tattoo that before I mean, we switch over to the defensive side? By the same token, you just know that Garrett Bowles has the same penchant for holding that Cam Irving does uh, historically. I don't know if he's gotten it cleaned up, but what I was able to see in the first couple of weeks especially was you know, when you're offensive lineman, you have to be able to move your feet. Uh, if you, especially as if you're a tackle, uh, you know, defending against quick pass rushers, and Bowles has shown an annoying tendency. If you're a Broncos fan, uh, to get you know, uh, to let the pass rushers get too far outside of him to where he has to overextend, uh, and he's not able to keep his feet underneath him, so to speak, and he gets a lot of holding penalties that way. So, it wouldn't shock me to see Frank Clark, uh, you know, whether he actually manages to get to Flacco or not is up for discussion. But I think that. Uh, He'll certainly give Garrett Bowles a tough time of it. Though that said, I also think Dalton uh, Rissner certainly appears to be the type of guard that's going to be able to blow Naughty off the ball. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, the defensive side, defensive coordinator Ed Dontrell, very, very close to Vic Fangio. In fact, they have very similar resumes. Right before joining Denver in 2019, he coached uh, in the NFL and in college teams since 1979. From 79 to 89, he was in the college level. And from 1990 through 2007, was with the Jets twice, the Broncos once. Uh, also the defensive coordinator for the Packers and the Falcons. Then he went back to the college level, went back to Washington, in fact, uh, for one year. Then got back to the NFL. In fact, returned to Denver. Uh, went to Denver for a second stint. Then went to the 49ers and Bears and is back with Denver for a third time. This is nine straight years. Ed Donatel, uh, excuse me. I said Dontrell. I meant to say Donatel. Uh, nine straight years he has worked with Fick Vangio. And that kind of camaraderie is good. That kind of rapport is very good. You don't see that often. And, and not to mention, this is his third time with the Broncos. Two-time Super Bowl champion as a Broncos assistant. He has coached under... Uh, Shanahan, McDaniels, and Fangio. Uh, 
three guys who we're all very familiar with. McDaniels, of course, uh, not a good run in Denver, but we know him quite a bit with what he does in uh, in New England. So those are the guys that he has coached under here, or not here, rather, but in Denver. And that is where he is now in the third stint. Defense, very good. Seventh in points per game allowed. Less than 18 points a game. Fourth in total defense, just below 308 yards a game. Fourth against the pass, 196 yards. 18th against the run, just below 112 yards per game. So, I know a lot of people are going to say they got to run the ball, but man, it's just hard to do without Patrick Mahomes. And I know some are questioning, should he play, should he not? Uh, Would it re-aggravate his ankle? Look, Zach and I are not doctors, that is a Burkholder question. Uh, you know, I hate when people think they're doctors or scouts. Sometimes I really do. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves with sports fans. Uh, if the Chiefs trainers and doctors think he'll be okay, and if Mahomes feels good, they'll let him go. I know they've let Eric Fisher play and Sammy Watkins play, and they had to come out very quickly in games this year. So if that happens, hey, Uh, That's unfortunate. So we'll see how the Chiefs react to that, but hopefully not the case uh, because this is a good Broncos defense. You're going to need Mahomes. Let's start with the secondary there. Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, those two combined for three picks. They've each got an interception Sunday against the Titans. They both collate the team in solo tackles with 21 as well as their linebacker, Todd Davis. Uh, Two really good guys in the secondary, and Kareem Jackson corner and a safety as well so he's a very very versatile safety can do a lot of different things for your defense Chris Harris a lot of people know who this guy is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL his level of play has declined a little bit but still one of the good cover guys in the NFL and of course he went to KU uh, and helped the team win an orange bowl so a lot of people definitely know who he is Uh, this is a really good secondary you're going up against and if Mahomes cannot play which is not expected to to be clear I'm just saying that because that's the speculation out there. Uh, boy, that'd be a big blow against this uh, Broncos secondary. So it's going to be important for Mahomes and the rest of this offense to be in there. Hey, I mean, and then that starts with the play calling. 100%. And it also, you know, it's going to have a lot to do with uh, the offensive line's ability to keep Von Miller off of Mahomes' back. Because realistically, I mean, thankfully we won't have to deal with Bradley Chubb. But, uh, you know, the Broncos, as they have the entire time that Von Miller's been in Denver – have a pretty solid pass rush. Yeah, you look at Demarcus Walker. He's got three sacks. You mentioned Von Miller, two and a half sacks. He had half of a sack against the Titans a couple of days ago. Uh, Derek Wolf is questionable for this game with a hip injury, two sacks, and three tackles for a loss. And you mentioned uh, Bradley Chubb. He's on IR. And man, uh, that would have definitely hurt Kansas City's chances for sure. Uh, given this offensive line, he had a sack, a forced fumble, and five tackles for a loss. By the way, Kareem Jackson also has a forced fumble. That's worth uh, mentioning right there. So a very stout defense. And generally, you get that. That's a big reason why they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. Uh, Manning was not doing very well, and it was this Broncos defense. Some of the guys who are still around that helped the team pull through. And they've still, they've still got that... Uh, x-factor on defense to be able to make big plays and it's a big reason why they won their past couple of games it's a big reason why they shut out uh, a team like the titans not a very good team offensively speaking they even switched quarterbacks right after the half uh and shut them down uh, shut them down to win 16 nothing absolutely and yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be tough for the chiefs uh just because you know as we've mentioned you know they've got one of the best cover corners in the nfl in chris harris uh, and then 
realistically as you know injured as the or as you know many injuries as they've had um you know on, along their defense most notably Chubb and then if Derek Wolf's unable to go um, you're you're still going to have to deal with DeMarcus where or DeMarcus Walker sorry uh and Von Miller coming off the edge and realistically with the way that the offensive line has blocked I've got some major concerns about their ability to keep Mahomes clean against Von Miller who is I mean still pound for pound one of the best pass rushers in the NFL today Real quick look at special special teams, excuse me. Tom McMahon. Uh, do you remember Tom McMahon, Zach? Nope. All right. He, well, he, I can understand why. He was only in Kansas City for one year, and that was under Romeo Cornell, I believe, in 2012. Uh, second season as a special teams coordinator. Second straight year with the Broncos. So one of the few assistants that Vic Vangio retained in his first year with the Broncos. 12 years coaching in the NFL, 14 years in college. And uh, he has been a special teams coach in Atlanta, St. Louis, uh, now L.A., of course, Kansas City, Indianapolis, and now in Denver. Brandon McManus, 12 of 14 in field goals, 8 of 9 PATs, 53 yards, his longest uh, this year as well as the past two years. Punter Kobe Wadman, one of the coolest last names in the NFL, Wadman. 29 punts, 4 touchbacks, and 12 of them inside the 20. Longest punt went for 64 yards. Colquitt had that 68-yarder just recently. Uh, wide receiver Deontay Spencer has one kick return for 60 yards. Also has 12 punt returns for 118 yards, averaging 9 yards per return. And running back Devontae Booker, he's got a couple of returns for 69 yards total on the season. All right. I said a couple times this episode, I have no idea... How this game's going to pan out. My optimism has dropped a bit. Uh, maybe not as much as the others, but uh, I've been very critical of this team uh, this week, for sure. Uh, I'm certainly not going to sugarcoat anything. Two consecutive games at Arrowhead, they have looked really bad. Uh, it's almost like, even though I don't think the defense is going to improve, it's just some of the fundamental things they have not been able to do a good job of. The Broncos are going to roll over Kansas City's defense. That's not even up for question right now. It would be a miracle if anything other than that happened. My final score, man, look, I'll do it. Uh, I'm picking the Chiefs to win, but I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm not very optimistic, if I'm being honest. So, if you want to hear my score? Absolutely. uh, Boy, I... 2117. That's that's what I'm going with. 2117. I'm pretty nervous about this football game. I'd love to sit here and say they're pissed off and they're going to put up and put up 45 points on the road, but that is not going to happen in this game. I mean, yeah, I'd certainly love to see it, but to be honest, I think that this one's going to be a I mean, you know, as I've mentioned before, you know, when we did our uh, early season, you know, or I guess preseason rundown of the schedule picking who we thought was going to win each game. I did have this one circled as a loss just because of the short week nature of it. And then also the fact that it involves travel out to Denver of all places. Uh, And combine that with the fact that the Denver strengths, namely of running the ball and having a generally stout defense uh, tend to align fairly accurately with our weaknesses, namely our complete inability to stop the run. Uh, I think that they're able to win time of possession, and they're gonna. I think that they'll beat us twenty four twenty one. Twenty four twenty one. You are going the other way. So Zach and I, for the first time this year, are going to have different opinions for this one. So you're going twenty four seven. I'm sorry, twenty four twenty one. Correct. Yep, with the Broncos winning okay. it. 
All right, and I've got it. 21-17 should be very interesting. Uh, I'll be asking uh, you guys for your prediction about an hour before kickoff, so be sure you join in for that. Facebook.com slash Farzin Vesugian, at Farzin21 on Twitter, at Zstegenga. And you guys can also text us. Uh, by the way, do, uh, if you do send us a text, we won't be able to read it anymore because this is our, our early episode this week. Uh, I'll be going solo Thursday after the game, so if you guys have a text you want to get in, do it right after the game because I'll be doing the Facebook Live at halftime and after the game, and I'll quickly start the recording. So uh, get your text in. We do have one text message for this episode. Michael in North Carolina sends in a lot of good texts out of the 336. Look, we find a way to beat the Broncos, then we have 10 days to get healthy. We will be okay Still probably go 12-4 and four on the season. Relax, Kingdom. Zach, uh, I know you're picking a loss here, but can you think there's a realistic scenario where the Chiefs only lose two more games the rest of the way? I mean, if we get healthy, if we manage to win this one, I mean, you know, if what he describes, you know, takes place, um, you know, not knowing the exact severity of the Fisher injury and, you know, realistically I'd like to see whether whether that you know is in the form of Chris Jones getting healthy or maybe bringing in some backup, you know, we'd have to have something coming in on the defensive front to kind of shore that up a little bit. That or maybe Naughty will just emerge. That'd be pretty nice, but I'm not holding out for it. Um, but by the same token, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that the Chiefs are able to you know take the W uh, this week and then use that time to you know, really get healthy and clean up some things on a fundamental level. Uh, you know, it certainly can be done. I mean, this team is still not devoid of talent. Uh, we've lost a couple of games in particularly gut-wrenching fashion, but it's not because we don't have talent. It's because we haven't been putting it to effective use, in my opinion. So, you know, I'd love to see that prediction come true on his part of, you know, a 12-4 and finish. Uh, but uh, until I uh, see some signs of progress, I'm not sure I can sign up for saying that that's how it's going to be. 913-808-2119, send us a text message, and for this week, make sure you save it for right after the Broncos game, and send it right away, because, like I said, it'll be a quick turnaround, we'll do the Facebook Live video, and then we'll do our recap podcast, I'll be going solo, as I mentioned, so uh, that podcast will be out sometime overnight, Thursday late uh, Thursday night, or Friday morning, and that'll be our only podcast this week, and then we'll do one podcast next week, so a little bit of a break, a little bit of a breather, after Thursday night football, uh, a couple of stories I do want to touch on before we sign off here. Uh, so Richard Sherman uh, with the 49ers, uh, for, formerly with the Seahawks, he wants the haters to keep on hating. He keeps saying this in his postgame pressers each and every week now. Uh, if anyone picked the 49ers to do well, he wants them to keep hating. Uh, or excuse me, if anyone picked the 49ers to not do well, he wants them to keep hating. Look, I, I really like Richard Sherman. Very, very intelligent guy. I remember after the Chiefs 49ers game, the cameras caught Richard Sherman talking to Tyreek Hill, and it seemed like a very serious conversation. I'm sure there was a lot of personal advice that was given, uh, considering what Tyreek Hill's gone through. But look, uh, can you just slow down and just chill out? I mean, all these things about, you know, uh, I hear this from players and sometimes even their families about the, how fans and even the media are haters simply when they pick them to look. What do you want? Do you want people to pick all 32 teams to go 16-0? Do you want them to pick every single team to win each week? No, that's you can't. 
You have to pick some teams to do well, some to do bad, and you'll look, you're going to miss on some. Zach and I, we did our preseason predictions. We missed on some predictions before. The, my Bears-Chiefs Super Bowl prediction does not seem to be going really good right now. Uh, that's uh, that's one that I'm really concerned about uh, quite a bit, uh, as I'm sure many Chiefs fans are with their Super Bowl picks. But look, so many of these former coaches and players become analysts, and I think... You know, they get asked to submit predictions, and I think they realize, okay, it's not as easy as they thought, because, yeah, they have to criticize. They can't sit there and sugarcoat and only say good things. I'd love for Richard Sherman to give his 32-team prediction before a season, and let's see how that pans out. It's never easy. I mean, yeah, it would be fascinating to see that, because, I mean, I do genuinely enjoy hearing it when Richard Sherman talks, uh, because he's normally very, you know, very well spoken on most things. Uh, in this case, I think realistically, I don't know how serious he takes it when it comes to the uh, you know resenting the haters, quote unquote. I think realistically, he's using it more as a motivational mechanism. And if that's the case, good on him. Uh, because I mean, don't get me wrong, I certainly didn't have the Forty ers doing what they're doing this year in any prediction. Not many. Of what the you know season was going to look like. So you know, I, I can understand why it's a long way up on that side. So. Yeah, you know, I hear where he's coming from. If it motivates him, great. But to be honest, I, I really could care less if he thinks that people who pick against him are haters or not. I, I really just kind of don't care. Uh, I know you care about this. I uh, didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, and it's still a topic. Even though it's been, what, two weeks since then? It's the whole Snoop Dogg KU fiasco. A week and a half. Um... Boy, it feels like... Two. Was it the same weekend as Colts Sunday Night Football? Mm-hmm. Okay. Boy, it feels like it's longer than that. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, um, so Snoop Dogg was at Allen Fieldhouse, and there were some, you know, some uh, of those stripper poles and pole dancers that showed up, and no, look... No, 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 no. Acrobatic dancers. Acrobatic, yes, yes. Uh, gotta be, gotta be uh, accurate on that. Uh, look... It's Snoop Dogg. Uh, There is no such thing as a PG version of Snoop Dogg. And second of all, look, I get that there are a lot of kids who go to these things. Parents are taking their kids. And I I, I can understand some of that. I think personally, uh, late night's overrated. It's just me. It's just a scrimmage. I don't really care for those performances. But man, uh, I mean, this whole Snoop... Listen, people would still show up even if Snoop Dogg was not even announced. Uh, if there was no Snoop Dogg, uh, because it is a big deal to a lot of KU fans, but this whole thing with those stripper, uh, pole dancers, whatever you call them, I mean, nothing happened. They still had fairly good amount of clothes on. It's just, they were dancing on poles. Let's, let's be honest. A majority of those people at Allen Fieldhouse that night were college students. Let's be completely honest. These are not good little angels who sit and study and read a book on a Friday or Saturday night. They're out and about on Friday and Saturday nights at Masteries. You and I both went to KU. We know what there is to do on a Friday and Saturday or even a Thursday night. Some students don't have class Friday or, or late on a Friday morning. So, uh, listen, I, mean, or, I think this know, has bl- been blown way out of yeah. proportion. <laughs> What's that? I said, or, you know, $2 Tuesdays at the sandbar. But, yeah. Yes, the sandbar. Yes. Uh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that, I'll be honest, I find this whole thing absolutely hysterical. Me uh, too. Both the the way that, you know, it all went down with the, uh, you know, money gun that, you know, 
watching how people initially freaked out over the fact that, oh, he's shooting, you know, money straight at the recruits that are sitting there behind the bench. Oh, and then you look closer at it and you realize that it's doctored <laughs> $100 bills with Snoop's face on it. Like, you know, I thought that was hysterical. Uh, and, you know, realistically, like, again, it's Snoop Dogg. You knew what you were going to get. I mean, and Snoop said as much, and I think that, you know, good on him for that. I think it's pretty funny the way the administration, you know, bent over backwards there at the, uh, you know, with with the statement that they put out saying that they that didn't think it was going to be what it was. But, like, I mean, yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I'm, I'd be willing to bet that even the people who wrote that statement knew what they were doing and saying, like, well, all right, here's the little thing that we have to say to mollify whatever donor we pissed off. And we're going to put it out there and we're going to look like idiots because it's a stupid statement in and of itself. And we'll look like idiots for a minute and then we'll move on. And realistically, Uh, I think that, you know, the way that they structured it to where they had Snoop at the end, you know, if you were really worried about your kids seeing Snoop Dogg, you could have left. Just saying you could have beat traffic. That's like saying, you know, we're going to have who is the guy? Um Oh my god! Uh, one of our good friends on the podcast, Stu Stone, is going to kill me for this. Who? What's the guy's name uh, on Full House? Danny Tanner? Bob Saget. Uh, it, yeah. It's like it's like saying Bob Saget is going to do a PG version of comedy. Like, do you really think that's going to happen? No, it's just not. By the way, Snoop Dogg, uh, he uh, TMZ caught up to him and they asked him about all this. He goes, "That's what I do." Uh, was not apologetic at all. Uh, Nor should anything he be. that happened. No, 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 not at all. You know what offended me more? Th- this truly does offend me. I was more offended by the statement KU sent out because, first of all, it's like they're saying, "Oh, we were not aware this was going to happen." Did you not see those uh, polls that were being brought in? To the, I mean, it's not like they just magically appeared on the on the basketball floor. Like these are things that. Big, pretty big things that had to be wheeled in and set up. It's not like this just happened within a second. That's what I take issue with. They were acting like they were completely oblivious as to what the show was going to feature. Yeah, like for the athletic department to be completely oblivious there, I just, I refuse to believe it. Now, that being said, when it comes to Bill Self and his comments on you know, being generally surprised with the way that some of it went down... I believe that just because, let's be honest, I don't think Bill has a you know direct hand in planning the entertainment that comes in. I'd be pretty surprised if he did, because uh, let's be real, he has a team to coach. Uh, that's his focus. So I, I, you know, I think that you know, he was maybe aware of the fact that you know it was Snoop because, of course, they had him you know recording those promo things and whatever. But I don't, you know, I, I believe his statement. I think the one that the athletic department put out was absolutely stupid. Uh, no. And I don't think they believed it either, uh, which is why I just don't understand why they felt the need to kowtow to whichever individual clearly complained. Because, I mean, you know that that's why this came out. Someone complained, someone was offended, and someone needs to just learn how to have a little bit more fun. Or just, you know, if you don't enjoy that, that's totally fair. I'm not saying everybody has to enjoy a Snoop Dogg concert. That's fine. But, you know, you don't have to you know, make a big stink about it to, uh, you know, ruin everybody else's fun. You can just leave and go home and not have to see what you don't want to see. It's really not that hard. 
This is still being discussed. Uh, a couple days ago, Snoop Dogg was on Howard Stern's radio show, and I I need to check that out. Uh, I didn't realize he was on Howard Stern recently, but he basically defended. He says, "When you pay Snoop Dogg, you're gonna get Snoop Dogg." That's exactly what he said on the on the radio show. And then the Kansas City Star did something where they let uh, readers submit letters uh, about any. T- uh, any big stories that Kansas City Star has covered, and I guess there were a lot of people that talked about Snoop Dogg on there. So this is still a topic that's being discussed a week and a half later, but it's fake outrage is what it is. Uh, By look, the same token, hit. what are we talking about? We're talking about Snoop Dogg in relation Snoop to Kansas Dogg. basketball. What are we not talking about? Any of the NCAA nonsense. So that's yeah. nice. Uh, look, I've said this before uh, in certain topics where there's been weird outrage. Listen... Uh, we're all different people. Uh, maybe I find something really offensive, whereas Zach might find it funny, or vice versa. We, we, we're in this world where we can't uh, control everyone. But nonetheless, Zach, that's just uh, the way it is. All right, before we no, go. No, Farzine, everybody must have exactly my sense of humor. And if anything offends me, I'm going to be very upset and ruin it for everyone. Because you know that's what, the way we are today. You know what else will make everyone upset is if the Chiefs lose on Thursday. That's, uh, yeah. there is a firestorm. Like, if you thought the last two games were bad, Thursday night's going to be an interesting. Like, do, do you use TweetDeck? No. That's I, that's what I use on to, to view my Twitter because it automatically shows the next tweet uh, from the people you're following. I am sure my TweetDeck newsfeed is going to zoom up and down. Uh, I mean, like wildfire. It's going to be fast. At the end of the game, I don't know how things are going to pan out. I'm not very optimistic of my prediction of them, just being honest. But I'm waiting for the Twitter reactions. I'm here for that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I hope that my prediction tonight is wrong. And so before anybody comes out here and just you know, torches me for predicting the Broncos to win, like, don't get me wrong. Just because I'm you know, trying to objectively predict what I believe will take place doesn't mean that's what I want to see happen. Let's be abundantly clear here. I'd love to see the Chiefs come out and absolutely house them. I just don't think they're going to. And yeah, so, it's... Yeah, I, I hope that that's what happens. And I hope that I don't have to watch, you know, Chiefs Twitter just absolutely melt down. But at the same time, you know, I'm already kind of bracing for it because I'm <laughs> confident it's going to happen. Oh, boy. Uh, it'll be interesting, Zach, nonetheless. Thursday Night Football... This week, uh, 7.20 kickoff Central Standard Time, so get ready for that. And oh boy, oh boy, it'll be a lot of fun. Facebook.com slash Farzim We're doing a Facebook Live at halftime and after the game, so join me for that. You guys have been awesome all year long, so please let's keep that up. Thank you guys for being awesome with that. Follow me on Twitter at Farzim21. Follow Zach at Z Stegna. You guys have also been great. Uh, not sure with the f- Facebook Live, but Facebook comments, Twitter interactions, they have all been awesome this year. Uh, as expected this year, given the Chiefs and uh, all the expectations. And hopefully they can uh, return to that form. But nonetheless, follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook and text in 913-808-2119. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links. Spread the word for the Chiefs on podcast. So far as Vasugi and he is Zach Steginga. We will talk to you Thursday after the game. And I'm sure there will be a lot to discuss. Take care. <laughs>